I have a crystal ball right in front of me. I'm rubbing the crystal ball that's in front of me. I'm getting a reading. And earlier this afternoon, it says, Parker Thune has Jackson Arnold coming to OU at an 8, which is very high. And by God, Parker Thune was right on his crystal ball prediction that he made earlier this afternoon. Look at that. You've made several crystal ball predictions That's in the past three 24 in the last hours. 24 hours. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I'm <laughs> shelling it out. He is, man. Parker's uh, giving predictions left and right. We'll get into all three of those. But uh, so far, he is one for one. Because as you probably already heard, Jackson Arnold, number six quarterback, according to 24-7 Sports, four-star quarterback out of Denton Geyer, commits to OU. Um, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can go with this. Let's start here. The narrative, remember the narrative that national people tried to feed us? Oh, well, uh, OU's offensive recruiting and their quarterback recruiting is about to wither and die. Uh, looks like OU quarterback recruiting is going to be just fine with this new regime, I'd say. Yeah, and it sure looks like they're going to be building a lot more depth in that room than we ever were used to under Muleshoe because <laughs> they lost one blue-chip guy in Malachi Nelson, and they probably added two in Nick Evers and now Jackson Arnold. Yeah, I, and there's a lot to like about Jackson Arnold, man. 6'1", 195, threw for 3,921 yards last year. 34 touchdowns, five picks, and what I, what me likes a lot is those 12 rushing touchdowns, which tells us that this guy is going to be very capable in the run game, and boy, when, when OU's been really good at quarterback here recently, they've had guys that have been very capable in the run game, and Parker, this, this kid seems like a true dual threat player. Yeah, you know what's bizarre is it seems like we've compared so many quarterbacks to Baker Mayfield in the last few weeks, but the, and it kind of seems like a cop-out in a certain sense because you think, oh, great quarterbacks at the University of Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield's at the top of that list, right? But it's a legitimate comparison between Baker Mayfield and Dylan Gabriel and Baker Mayfield and Jackson Dart and Baker Mayfield, and Jackson Arnold. There are so many guys right now, both you, you think about the guy that's going to start in 2022, you think about the guy that might be on the way as the backup in 2022 and presumed starter in 2023, and now the guy that you've got coming in as the leader and the spearhead of your 2023 class, they're all cut from the same cloth as arguably the best quarterback that has ever graced the field at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Jackson Arnold uh, said this quote to uh, rivals, what Coach Venables had to say when I was down there. I have a lot of trust in him. As he says, defend the standard. We're going to keep Oklahoma as a powerhouse, end quote. So this is, uh, this, this is good news today, and as you and I have talked about a couple times already, Man, the, one of the best things that you can ever do for a recruiting class, especially the 2023 class that you were trying to get momentum for, is to get a quarterback. Because we've seen so many times how, you know, one of the best recruiters that you can have is a four- or five-star quarterback in your class. So to get that guy this early on um, is big. The only downside that I see, the only downside that I see to Jackson Arnold committing is the fact that uh, Parker won't have to go through Archmania like we thought Thank that he might do. Thank the Lord for that season. one.
That is the best thing about today's news of Jackson Arnold's announcement is that you would presume this means Oklahoma is no longer going to be recruiting Arch Badness. I, I mean, I would think that they still probably recruit him, but are they going to like heavily as as heavily pursue him? Like, may 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 probably. No, I mean, not. I, I'd say they shut it down. You think they completely I, shut I, it I down and don't take two? It would. It would stand to reason that they stop recruiting Arch Manning and that they stop recruiting Jaden Rashada at this point because you got your guy in Arnold. You've got – okay, so you've got Gabriel. You've got potentially Dark coming in. You've got Nick Evers in 22. You've got Arnold in 23. You've got plenty of depth in that room as it is. You don't really have a need to go and get another quarterback at this point. I feel like you turn your focus to 2024 and a guy like Mabry Mataillier. Did you see the video of Arch playing basketball over the weekend and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban were both there? Pete Golding was there too. I got to say this, man. Um, I don't know what I really expected. I I guess I expected his body to look much like his uncle's where, you know, they can throw the football pretty well, but let's not act like uh, Peyton or Eli look like Greek gods or anything. Um, he was a little bit more cut up and a little bit more toned than I than well, I thought I mean, that he was going to be. People forget that's Cooper's kid, right? right? <laughs> and Cooper was a Division One wide receiver, or was gonna be, yeah, before he had all the health issues. So Arch comes from genetics that are probably a little bit more athletic mm-hmm. than either of his uncles, in the sense that. He's he's not going to be an ice wagon in the pocket like Peyton Manning was for the vast majority of his career. Jackson Darnold uh, picks OU over Arkansas, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and some others as well. And, and now, w- once you kind of you know look at what this might mean, a lot of people want to know: Well, does this have any impact on Jackson Dart? You got one Jackson to commit today. We're still waiting on another Jackson. Does this mean, is is this the writing on the wall that no Jackson Dart is no longer going to consider OU because they got a 2022 quarterback, a 23 quarterback, and Dylan Gabriel who has three years of eligibility? I, I'm really not convinced this is going to have an impact on OU's pursuit of Dart just because you look at 2023, that, that's going to be Jackson Dart's year if he commits to Oklahoma. He probably sits a year behind Dylan Gabriel, you'd imagine, maybe red shirts. But then 2023, assuming Gabriel's off to the NFL, you're looking at that job, and it's Jackson Darts. And of the three, and this is no knock on Nick Evers or Jackson Arnold, Jackson Darts the best of those three. He has by far the highest ceiling, the best physical tools. Jackson Dart does not have to worry about not being the starter once Dylan Gabriel's time has come and passed at the University of Oklahoma. So I'm not convinced it'll have that much of an impact. I am interested to see how much of an impact it has on Peyton Bowen, Jackson Arnold's teammate at Denton Geyer High School, who was very high on OU for quite a while. Old staff kind of stopped recruiting him. He committed to Notre Dame. You just kind of get the sense that maybe that window opens back up here for Peyton Bowen. So, again, I think it will be intriguing to see how much progress OU is able to make uh, if they choose to dive back into that recruitment. Yeah, so, again, Parker's one for one on his crystal ball. He he also put in another one today. Uh, Defensive lineman Grayson Halton, 2022 kid out of San Diego, Four-star uh, player, six foot three, two seventy. You have him at a seven that he's going to commit to OU. Yeah. Tell us more about this guy. Yeah, the vibes were good on his official visit to OU, and he's committed to Oregon as of right now. Uh, but 
I do expect that based on what transpired over the weekend, Oklahoma is going to be in good position to flip Grayson Halton before National Signing Day. And this was one that came onto the radar really, really late. It wasn't really until late December, early January that OU even appeared on the radar as a possibility for Grayson Halton, and that was due to two factors, one being the staff turnover at Oregon and the other being the staff turnover at Oklahoma. So when you had that seismic shift within both programs, OU very quickly became a big, big player for Grayson Halton. They were able to get him on campus this past weekend for an official visit, and from everything I'm told, that visit went very well. I find it interesting. Um, it, it's a good thing for, for OU, for sure, but remember under Muleshoe, California recruiting, it had been a pretty big deal. It was about to be an even bigger deal, or, or at least we thought going to last summer of how active they were out on the West Coast, the SEC move, uh, OU was going to be California's portal into the Southeastern Conference. A, a lot of us, including me, thought that. I was interested to see, okay, is OU still going to be aggressive out on the West Coast? Um, and, and, and that's still up in the air, I'm guessing. But it's a pretty good sign that, yeah, OU is still going to be aggressive out on the West Coast when you see a guy like Grayson Halton, a, a really good four-star defensive lineman, and you got him at a seven right now. You think the uh, visit went really well, all good vibes there. I, I think that that's, that's a good sign for OU that they're not just going to ignore a certain section of the country, and not that we thought that they were going to, but they'll go, gonna, they'll go anywhere and everywhere to, to find who, who they want to, to put this class together with. And naturally, you'll have – regions of emphasis. Venables has a very strong presence in Florida. Todd Bates is big in the Southeast as well. Jay Valai is huge for the state of Texas as far as recruiting that region. And obviously, DeMarco Murray has the Las Vegas area and all the surrounding areas locked down. So they have they have plugins at a variety of those hotbeds across the country. Jamarion Burtz, uh, you got him at an eight, uh, three-star athletes, um, another guy that you're really confident in. Uh, my crystal ball, Parker, it's a, it's a 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. a 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm doing my own so crystal ball. You're, for you're, right you're locking it. <laughs> it's a lock in your mind. Maybe uh, a couple uh, Twitter sites out there will uh, start including my crystal ball predictions right now. How do you feel about that, by the way? You, uh, you put in crystal ball predictions, and there's a couple uh, Twitter accounts out there that post out there every time you how – you, how, you, how do you feel about that? I mean <laughs> – I don't love it, but then again, I'm not going to sit here and rag on it. Like, <laughs> do your thing, do your hustle. It's it really doesn't affect my work at yeah. all. So, well, like, at the end of the day, it it just it is what it is. It's an aggregation tool that I guess allows more fans to see. Oh, things are trending well with this particular recruit. So. You know, I, I, I'm largely indifferent. So there you go. Hey, if if you all want a good news today, and I don't know why that you wouldn't, there you go. Parker's giving you good news. He's predicting good news. And I know I could use some after going to that basketball game on Saturday, uh, the women's game yesterday, and steal the annoyance of no announcement from Caleb Williams or Jackson Dart. Yeah! Get a new uh, quarterback commit coming in here. D. Lyman out of San Diego looking good. Three-star athlete Jamarian Burt as well. So um, you are very optimistic. I I'm very optimistic about this 2022 class, but it looks like both the 2022 and the 2023 class like don't think the good news necessarily ends today with this and quarterback it commit. Does not. It's it's about to it's about to start coming here. The good news mm -hmm. definitely does not end here and 
I think Oklahoma is poised for a big week and a half coming up between now and National Signing Day. Yeah, well, there were some visitors over the weekend. We'll get to that coming up next. Uh, a hoops game on Saturday that um, was pretty forgettable, but there were still some highlights in the game as well. We'll take your text coming up too. You got recruiting questions? Send them in. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. It's locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. We are the Homo Sooner fans.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. This hour is brought to you by Chapel Supply. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com or check them out today, chapelsupply.com. You can also check out their location, 6509 West Reno Avenue in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply, bringing you locked in with the McComas and Thune. Chapel supplies you. Before we get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, Jermaine Burton just won a natty with Georgia. Now he's going to Alabama via the portal. Doesn't sound like he's the package deal with JT Daniels that they kind of led us to believe that they might be last week. Unless JT Daniels thinks he can beat out Bryce Young. Who knows? Well, maybe he thinks that. Um, I would kindly tell him, hey, bud, uh, probably the worst place that you can go. Trying to beat out the uh, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, probably not the, the best idea there. JT, if you can't even beat out Stetson Bennett, don't like your odds to beat out Bryce Where Young. does JT end up? <sighs> Man. Well, here's, here's the issue for him, is that he decided, and not that he could have decided earlier, I mean, the, his, his team was playing for a national championship, but he's so late in the process that maybe South Carolina would have been a good spot for him, right? Well, Spencer Rattler is is already there. The point is, is like there's so many other transfer portal guys that have went to other schools that at this point, not that he's scrambling, but there's maybe not the options open that would have been there a month ago if he would have entered in the portal the same time as a, a Casey Thompson or a Spencer Rattler or some of these other guys that are there. But to answer your question... The most likely scenario, Parker, I mean, geez, Lane Kiffin will talk to any quarterback that's in the portal right now, so you got to think Ole Miss is at least involved somewhere if they don't get any of these other guys that they're trying to get. Oh, man. Okay, Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener asks, for the 24 class, do you think OU pursues Mattire, that being Mabry, McCade's younger brother, or Dylan Riola, the Nebraska legacy? Uh, who is formerly of Burleson High School in the DFW area and has since moved out to Arizona, which is where he's originally from. Um, I, I would lean toward Mattire of the two, but I also would be surprised if Oklahoma doesn't make a play for at least a couple other high-end QBs in that 2024 class. I think about a guy like Jaden Davis, not, not to be confused with current Oklahoma defensive back Jaden Davis, but the quarterback... Jaden Davis in the class of 2024 is probably going to end up being one of the top 10 prospects overall, regardless of position when it's all said and done. He was at OU's camp this past summer. Very, very impressive, both in terms of his physical makeup and his leadership and mentality at the quarterback position. So again, really early to kind of get a clear sense of what Oklahoma is going to do in that class at the QB position. But there will be options on the table, and I would imagine that Venables and Levy will cast something of a broader net than Muleshoe ever did. I got to be honest, on the rundown sheet today, I did not include 2024 <laughs> recruiting. That's talk. what I'm saying, man. But- I, I did have hashtag chosen, though, written down today. That's what the 2023 class is being known as chosen. And the S and E in chosen is replaced with a two and three. Get there it? There you go. 23, chosen, 2023 class. JT Daniels at OU, says one listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, miss me with that. Yeah, I'm not crazy about that. Um, I don't 
I, I don't think that he would start over Dylan Gabriel. Like, at this point, like, JT Daniels, the name sounds really good. It sounds like, oh, wow, I mean, that's the that's a name you know in college football. What's well, a name you know in college football? Not necessarily because of what he's put out there on the field, but because he's been in the portal before and the spots that he's been in and the hype that's been around him that really hasn't it really hasn't shown out there on the field, man, you know? Now, I, I do wonder if if OU strikes out on Jackson Darts, would they talk to JT Daniels just to try to get another scholarship quarterback on the roster for next year? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I think that that likelihood would be pretty low. But, yeah, like, I'm with you. The the thought of that seems great, but I, I don't – JT Daniels, I don't – I don't think he'd end up being a very big factor here. A lot of folks wondering on the Air Comfort Solutions text line if Oklahoma's going to make a play for Harold Perkins, the five-star linebacker who just decommitted from Texas A&M today. I don't think so, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, The buzz that I have heard for Harold Perkins is mostly at Florida. Uh, LSU could make a play as well, but... Uh, it it doesn't seem like OU is going to be in the running for Perkins. Although at one point in time, many moons ago, he did have somewhat of a strong interest in the school. So I don't know. It is it at this point. It also doesn't seem to me like Brent Venables is going to crowd his linebacker room any more than he already has because he is loaded. Yeah, well, that's not linebackers. the uh, linebacker in recruiting that we need to be focused on because uh, Anthony Hill. Do you guys have him ranked as the number one linebacker, by the way, just yes. 24-7? Yes. Well, buddy, uh, if you want to talk about backers, that's the one to talk about. Sounds like that visit went uh, pretty nice yeah, over the weekend. Yeah, dude's a stud. That dude's a stud. And as long as Venables is coaching at the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's going to have a very, very strong chance of landing Anthony Hill. And they have the in to Denton Ryan High School with Billy Bowman, whom they signed in the class of 2021. And I, it's honestly too early to project with any degree of reliability in that recruitment where Anthony Hill ends up. But I would be very surprised if Oklahoma isn't one of the schools that he takes an official visit to and is in the final conversation for. Yeah, OU had a big recruiting weekend on, on campus. And Anthony Hill, one of those guys, it, it went really well. Which, by the way, can an official visit ever go poorly? Because I, uh, I feel, well, Can it? Yes. Yes, yes. If if an offer is, I have, uh, I've it, heard some stories. Okay, well, it can go bad sometimes, but more times than not, it seems like they go pretty well. Anthony Hill was there. Uh, Gentry Williams' visit sounds like that went pretty well. Like, what, what's kind of like the, the the main talking points coming out of this recruiting weekend for OU? Maybe in in terms of an actual recruiting class, and not it was Portal Weekend the weekend before, but this was actually a recruiting recruiting weekend for high school kids. Probably the biggest one that this staff has had since they've been on campus. Yeah, I think the interesting thing coming out of this weekend is going to be to see what happens with R. Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten, the two Cardinal Gibbons teammates who are on their OU official this past weekend and who will travel back home for an official visit to Miami this weekend before making their decisions. And OU was trending really, really strong for both of those two to the point where I put a crystal ball in for both of them uh, towards the end of December. Maybe it was the beginning of January, but regardless – uh, that looked like it was going to be the spot for those two. Then Mario Cristobal got to Miami, extended the offer, got them to take an official visit on the last weekend before National Signing Day, and all of a sudden the Hurricanes became a very real player in those recruitments for obvious reasons, having the hometown pull, and 
the sense of novelty with the new coaching staff and the promise of a rebuild and restoring the Hurricanes to their former glory in the Halcyon Howard Schnellenberger days. So I don't know at this point what becomes of OU's pursuit of those two. I will say OU is kind of hedging their bets in that regard, and that's the sense you get given that they're recruiting Grayson Halton very hard, and they're pursuing Cavante Henry, the former, Mich- I, I guess still technically current, Michigan commit that they hosted for an official visit last week. So uh, Thomas and Moten aren't guys that you have to have right now if you're Brent Venables and staff, but it's not out of the question that those two still end up at Oklahoma, though I am kind of starting to lose confidence that Oklahoma is the clear leader. So, okay, there, there's a lot of names out there, um, a, a lot of things that are going to be decided on the second signing day coming up. Um, a lot of this stuff feels feels pretty good, though. Like, for the people who aren't, like, all in on recruiting and are just kind of a casual fan, if you had to put the state of OU football recruiting, you could use a word, a sentence, a number right there. I feel like the state of OU football recruiting right now, whereas, again, a lot of people thought it was going to significantly drop off once Muleshoe went to USC, the feeling that I get is that the state of uh, recruiting right now, 2022 class, 23 class, whatever, is is in a really good spot. What, whatever number you want to put on that, it's fine, but it's it's in a really good spot. The word I would use is percolating in the sense that you haven't really seen everything bubble over and explode with some really big-time commitments. And obviously Jackson Arnold, I think, is going to be the first of several in that regard, guys that you would classify as elite prospects ending up in Norman, Oklahoma. But I agree with you. I use the word percolating in the sense that things seem to be bubbling to the surface and things seem to be getting to that point where you're going to see some really big names drop and you're going to see guys choose Oklahoma that can form the foundation of an elite recruiting class in 2023 that I, I really do believe could end up in the top five. Wow. Wow, how about that? We we're, were just talking about top 10 here recently for this 2022 class, you know? So And they're going to be top 10 in 22. Yeah. They will be. Yeah, so uh, Parker telling you that good news is uh, along the way for sure. You want to hit a couple texts here before we uh, hit a timeout? Any chance we land a five-star offensive lineman, one listener asked. Well, it depends on who you're asking about. Is that uh, Devin Campbell? Is that Josh Connor? You like you you I, uh, I are do. very optimistic about Devin Campbell. I am there. optimistic about Devin Campbell, and that's not me giving intel because Devin Campbell talks very little. The people around him talk very little, and there's not really a super reliable indication of which way he's leaning, but that's just more me reading the tea leaves of this recruitment and thinking, well, if Texas was going to be the spot, he probably would have just committed to Texas and signed with them in the early signing period, given how long the Longhorns have been recruiting him and how well things seem to be going in that regard. It kind of seemed like Devin Campbell, the motive behind postponing from early signing day and kicking the can down the road into February, was kind of to evaluate in a little more detail where Oklahoma stood and where Texas stood. And at the time, during the early signing period, remember this, Tyler, The new staff at Oklahoma was, I mean, brand new. So there was still a lot that was up in the air as to what that program was going to look like even a couple weeks down the road. They had just gotten Nick Evers. They'd just gotten Jaden Gibson. They'd flipped Kobe McKenzie back from Texas. They were starting to regain some of that momentum that they lost when Muleshoe departed. So uh, there was a lot that was unclear 
about that situation in the moment for a guy like Devin Campbell, and I think that's the reason why he probably wanted to push things back yeah. a few more weeks and continue to take stock of the direction that both those programs were headed in. Also, Texas has seven offensive line signees in the 2020 yeah. class. Yeah, I, they think it's like the best offensive signing class ever. Like, at least in school history, Texas thinks the O-line class that they just signed is, like, one of the best O-line classes ever. Like, okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Seems like you guys have put out, like, two offensive linemen in the NFL the past 15 years, and one of them gets dominated on a week-in, week-out basis for my favorite team, the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So, okay. Hey, may- maybe stars-wise, it is one of the best offensive line class, but let's not act like I totally trust te- Texas to develop those guys and uh, they they turn into good players. Just saying. Just saying. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We'll talk about the hoops game and more coming up next. It's Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
Tyler McComas and Parker Thune, we are locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. There's a uh, Twitter account out there that keeps track of the NCAA transfer portal. I think it's interesting. Since August 1st, 1,254 FBS scholarship players have entered into the transfer portal. 52.1% of portal players have announced new schools. Uh, 575. FBS scholarship players remain in the portal. Isn't that crazy? 1,254 scholarship players entered in the portal since uh, the 1st of August. 575 scholarship players still remain in the portal. And Woo! that's the side of the portal that nobody talks about. All right, for everybody that finds a bright, shiny new destination, think about guys like McCade Matayer and Daniel Parker and Jonah Laulu, who ended up at better situations at the University of Oklahoma. There are always guys, and you think about a former Sooner in Justin Harrington sure. as an example. It might be the end of the road for them in terms of playing yep. scholarship football. Yeah, especially when you enter into the portal and there's a new coaching staff. Like You might have the thought that you want to go back to OU, but it may not be up to you. I mean, That yep. coaching staff may make the decision to where they're like, yeah, um... Uh, thanks, but but no thanks. Honestly, like uh, you, you kind of quit towards the middle of the year. Like we're not necessarily going to be a part of that. Like thanks, but no thanks there. So, yeah, that that's a staggering number, and I I think that the portal's going. The numbers that I read off right there, it's going to probably continue to look that way as you move forward. So. Kids, you can enter into the portal. That's fine. Um, you have the right to do that, but you better make sure you come out on the right side if you want to do it. Just saying, especially if you're a scholarship kid. Especially if you're a scholarship kid. By the way, speaking of the portal, Oklahoma State quarterback Shane Illingworth uh, entered into the portal today. Potentially could be a, a big deal for Oklahoma State. Not that Shane Illingworth you know, did a whole lot of things that made you think that he was ever you know, going to be the future of that program at the position, but Spencer Sanders seems like he has a knack for never being able to play every single game of every season. What he had, um, he had COVID for the first one or two games last year. Seems like every year that he's been at OSU, he's missed at least one, two, three games. So maybe Oklahoma State could be active in the transfer portal now, finding a uh, finding a quarterback. And Shane Illingworth was the guy that saved them in 2020 from losing to Tulsa in pretty yeah, embarrassing fashion at true. home. So, yeah, who knows where Oklahoma State turns. They're bringing in Garrett Rangel from uh, Frisco Lone Star and the class of 2022 four-star guy. So they're not going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for quarterbacks, but – uh, curious to see where Illingworth lands. He's a California guy originally, yeah. so wonder if he goes back a little closer to home. Uh, I've had a lot of great days at the Lloyd Noble Center in my lifetime, and not that Saturday absolutely sucked. I, we had a great time at the basketball game for the most part. Uh, Burt Venables was there. Like it was, it was the 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 stands were as packed as I've seen it in a while. Like it was a it was a good atmosphere, everything, but. Boy, OU offensively, they, they've got some issues, Parker. T- 25 turnovers, and, you know, one thing about them, like, leave the 25 turnovers out of the conversation, which I realize is really difficult to do. Everything, every possession just seems so difficult for them, you know? They never get easy shots or easy buckets. Like, everything that they get offensively is a grind, and it's just so tough for this team to score on a night-in, night-out basis. And that's a credit to Baylor, too, because that's a really good basketball team on both ends of the floor. And Oklahoma hung with them for the vast majority of that game. And so there's a silver lining in all of this. 
But you bring up a good point, Tyler, and it's something that we talked about last week as well. The Sooners don't really have guys that can create their own shots. No. I think the best that I've seen, honestly, the, the guy that can do it better than anybody else is probably Emoji Gibson. And that's not saying a whole lot because generally the shots you see Emoji Gibson taking are spot-up three-pointers where it's one dribble and let it fly. He doesn't – he quite simply doesn't create his shot very often. Elijah Harkless is okay with it as well, and I think C.J. Nolan has a ton of potential. But, man, they got to get points from somebody at a certain point in time. Tanner Groves is not scoring right now for Oklahoma. No. He's not scoring. He had 10, which was nice on Saturday, but scoreless in the first half. Just has not been himself this month. And and it's really it's one of the things that you just can't coach out of this team right now. Like I I think we all still believe, and I don't know why you wouldn't, Porter Moser still one hell of a coach. Like yeah, yes, he, he, is. he is still like he is he is the right hire. Um I, I think he's fantastic and I and I think he's gonna do a lot of nice things here. But we're in the middle of the season right now. We're in the middle of a Big Twelve grind. You can make your basketball team better defensively. You can make your basketball better. Your basketball team better fundamentally as the season goes along. But if you don't have a guy that can create, that's just not something that you can coach around. And I think that that's something that he and this team are dealing with right now. They are trying to look for answers to get better shots, to not turn the ball over as much. But until this program has a guy, and they're going to have to get it via the portal or recruiting this offseason – until they have a guy that you can just give the rock to and he can go score, I think the ceiling in a lot of ways is probably going to be limited for them, Parker. It is limited, and I think C.J. Nolan can be that guy, and I also think you've got help on the way because Oklahoma's got a couple of really, really talented guards signed in the class of 2022 in Otega Uwe and Milos Uzan. Those are two guys that are going to be worth watching next year because I think they have a very good chance to play quite a bit as freshmen. And those are the types of guys that can create their own shots. Those are scorers. And I think that's why Porter Moser pursued them in the first place, was because he probably looked at his roster and said, hey, you know what? That's the one thing we conspicuously lack, is somebody that can go and create their own shot, and I need to recruit to that shortcoming. And there are guys that have definite strengths on this roster, particularly when you look at outside shooting. Yamoja Gibson's one of the best in the nation when it comes to spotting up and letting it fly from beyond the arc. Tanner Groves is a good interior presence. He struggles on the defensive end from time to time, but his versatility and his ability to shoot from outside as well makes him valuable for this team. Elijah Harkless is a phenomenal on-ball defender. It's not as if this team is devoid of talent. 100%. But they don't really have the guy yeah. that can be a bona fide scorer. And, and that's that's what they're missing. They, like you said, they've got a lot of nice pieces. Yeah. A, a lot of nice pieces. A lot of pieces that the Baylors out there, the Kansas have out there that they have. They just don't. That's what the one thing that they're lacking imagine, is the one thing that they need. Imagine Austin Reeves on this basketball team. Imagine if he had decided to come back. That's a dangerous team if you throw Austin Reeves into the mix. Yeah, just, just somebody that is that, that is confident to create their shot because here's the deal. It's, it, it's not just for one guy. If you have an Austin Reeves out there or a Buddy Heald out there or anybody else that you can think of the past 15 years for OU basketball that you thought did a nice job of creating a shot for themselves, Trey Young, whoever – it not only frees them up, it frees up the other guys around, right? So and if this does. team if this team had a creator, 
then you see Mo Gibson getting more open shots. You see Elijah Harkless maybe getting more high percentage shots. And maybe this is a, a worthless conversation because they don't have that guy right now. But all of this is just to kind of illustrate, yeah, they're in the middle of a losing streak right now. Yeah, they got to go to the number one team on Saturday. And it's, it's easy to be frustrated with how things are going on with this basketball team. If they can just get that guy that can create, I, I think that they'll be okay moving forward these next couple of years. But but Porter's got to find that guy for sure. Honestly, I think the best creator on this basketball team might be Bijan Cortez. And I think that's a pretty damning indictment of your team when the best creator on your roster is a true freshman. And not even a super highly recruited true freshman at that. A guy that was well-known in Oklahoma Circle. Oklahoma circles, but was by no means on the radar for the blue blood programs in college basketball. And so I like Bijan Cortez long term. I think he'll be a great piece for this team, but we've seen really inconsistent play from Jordan Goldwire. It's, it's just, again, you go back to that missing ingredient. What is it? Is it a creator? Is it a scorer? One way or another, it just seems like this basketball team is one piece away yeah. from being able to make a deep tournament run. And, and you know what? With all that being said, if you just don't turn the ball over 25 times on Saturday, you, you may be in a position to win. Like, yeah. regard, like, everything that we're saying about this team, if they can just cut the turnovers, I think that they'll still be okay at the end of the day. Now, if they cut the turnovers, does that mean that they'll find themselves in an Elite Eight game or anything like that? I mean, no, maybe maybe not, but 25, that's, that's not, that's not going to do it against Baylor. That's not going to do it against TCU or Kansas State, anybody in the conference. Anyone that's watched basketball knows that. So the, the number one priority moving forward is you you, you got you to cut down on that, man. And, and some of these turnovers are, you know, some of these cross-court passes that they're throwing at times, it's like, what, what do you – what, what what are you thinking here? What are you doing? You know who was nice on Saturday, though? Marvin Johnson. Yeah, he was. How about that? Yeah. No, that was a nice surprise. A lot of people were like, why hasn't he been playing all year long? But he did He did give you some good minutes. I was not one of those, by the way. I, I took the approach of, huh, this is nice to see that moving forward now, once you go to Morgantown on Wednesday and Auburn on Saturday – I'm going to guess that that's a guy, C.J. Nolan back or not, whoever back or not, that he's he's going to get some some PT. Yeah, and when the reality is that your starters aren't playing great basketball, it provides an opportunity for a guy like Marvin Johnson to really elbow his way into a lot more playing time. Uh, by the way, and just to be that fan for one minute, uh, oh it, it, it would also be nice, the, the cutting the turnover, sure. It would also be nice if uh, you know a, a Kansas guard dribbles the ball out of bounds and they don't give it right back to Kansas and hit a three. Um, or maybe your best player gets uh, hit in the face in the lane, and that's not a no. Uh, all I'm saying is it, it would be nice moving forward if some of those things were called. Oh, Just Tyler's saying. beefing with the Big 12 refs, people. You you this had is... a um, well, you were right there underneath the baseline, right? Did you oh, not yeah. get slapped right in the face? I mean, I didn't have I didn't get a great look at that because I, I mean at that point. The play is still going. I'm looking at things through a camera lens. So I didn't see it as well as I did on the replay after the fact. What I did hear was what Tanner Groves got teed up for saying, which was just, he hit me in the face, man. That's <laughs> yeah. literally all he said. <laughs> yeah, he was very confused and not happy with the uh, T call that happened after. And that was probably as, as uh, lively as the fans were on, on Saturday, man. Everyone was like uh, – Everyone was big mad inside the LNC when there was a no call there and the team was called after for sure. All right, one final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. We'll wrap it up coming up next.
All right, final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune. We'll get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here momentarily before Parker gets out of here. Hey, first off, why is Wisconsin starting to be a team that gets thrown out there when people are mentioning Caleb Williams? How's Wisconsin in on this? What's what's going on there? Well, a couple things. And, you know, I was at the AFC, AFCA Coaches Convention a couple weeks ago, and even before that buzz was out there about Wisconsin – that was something that a couple coaches actually mentioned to me when we were discussing the Caleb Williams situation. They said, you know what? You know what would be a sneaky good fit for Caleb is Wisconsin. And the reasons being is that they always have a good offensive line at Wisconsin. They always have a strong defense. And I know we're like a decade removed from it, but Paul Christ was the one that helped Russell Wilson take the next step in order to get him in position to be a day two NFL draft pick and beat out Matt Flynn for that Seattle Seahawks starting job. And it is one of the uh, best party schools in all of America. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Madison, Wisconsin, Tempe, Arizona, uh, Athens, Georgia, or normally, you know, at the top of the list of that top ten conversation. But I didn't definitely, that. oh, dude, Madison. I've never, uh, I've never been to Madison before, but apparently, uh, they go hard up there. And uh, okay, well, if the party scene is what thirteen's looking for, then yeah, yeah, Wisconsin is the uh, school for him. So I, this continues to drag on out. I know that it annoys everyone. Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg still waiting on that. They're number two and number three in the portal rankings right now. So. BYU, OU, Ole Miss, is USC a legitimate option here? Is he waiting until Caleb Williams makes his decision? Is that where we're at? I I don't think so, but then again, I look at the optics here, and I'm just like, what else would he be waiting on? Right, I know. It's kind of hard to believe that he's just chilling at home with his feet up for any other reason than he wants to know where Caleb Williams is going first. And meanwhile, Michael Trigg is just sitting back like, Dudes, hurry up! Let's go! I want to pick my new school! Come on! It's a game of chicken at this point. I am a package deal. Can we all hurry up here and make a decision? Let's go! Come on, Caleb! Uh, what are the odds that Trigg just gets fed up with it and decides to commit to OU on his own? <laughs> hey, I don't. no one here would complain, right? I think that'd be awesome. Anything else on the text line before uh, you get out of here today? Okay, this from a listener. The statistical margin in favor of Gabriel over Dart is far more substantial than most have acknowledged, even just looking at their respective freshman numbers. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody's making the argument that Jackson Dart is going to come in and beat out Dylan Gabriel. He, he would have a chance to. He'd certainly have a chance. But, and look, I think physically Jackson Dart has a higher ceiling than Dylan Gabriel, but yeah. Gabriel knows that Levy's offense. He's played in it. Gabriel knows Levy's offense. He's already on campus, which, hey, I, I know that they're not – you know, go on full pads or practice or anything right now, but I think you're kidding yourself if you don't think that that's at least somewhat of an advantage for Dylan Gabriel. Look, Jackson Dart would have every opportunity to start, but I, I would put money on Dylan Gabriel still being the guy. I mean, and, and plus, too, we saw a quarterback change during the middle of this season. Who's to say that Jackson Dart couldn't do a very similar thing, you know, towards the middle of next season? I, I don't know. Again, if he comes, whatever. I still think Dylan Gabriel's a starter, but sure, I, I think Jackson Dart would have a chance. No doubt. No doubt he would. He's a good enough quarterback that he has a shot to beat out just about anybody anywhere, honestly. You look at Caleb Williams and Bryce Young as probably the two exceptions, guys that would absolutely start over Jackson Dart. But. I think you read this joke uh, last hour, but Sean sent it to me, 
if Jackson Arnold leaves Denton today, he can probably get through traffic and be in Norman for the start of the 2023 fall semester. Oh, that uh, drive yes. down I-35 is my nightmare yeah. every time. It is the worst. All right, that'll do it for Parker, Teddy, and myself. We're coming up next. Rush on the other side right here on the Homeless Suter Fans.